we, we definitely, definitely, we want the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit in our church, in our services, and in our lives. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's liberty. There's freedom. Praise God. Thank God for that. And I'm not, I don't know about anybody else. I, I, I trust that everybody in this sanctuary this morning feels like I do. But I'm not in any way, shape, form, or fashion planning on giving this up for anybody at any time. Amen? Praise God. We have this right to assemble together and to sing and to praise and to worship and to preach and to fellowship with one another. And I am not willing to, to give this up. In any way. Are you, are you with me? You know, there's, I don't know, I'm sure everyone has heard about the Supreme Court decision that came down on Friday that denied an appeal by a Nevada church to allow additional worshipers to join in-person services based on capacity. Uh, in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ in states like Nevada, California. There are uh, five churches, I believe it's five, I believe that's correct, five churches in Northern California. One of them is an Assembly of God church. Five churches that um, have filed a lawsuit against uh, Governor Newsom, I accidentally called him Governor Nuisance the other day, <laughs> but had filed a, a lawsuit against him because he's, he has um, demanded that until further notice be no gatherings, for no religious gatherings or church services. Um, John MacArthur, most of you are, are familiar with John MacArthur. He's not been the best friend to the Pentecostal church, but I do applaud him in his decision that he has, his church, which is a very large church in California, has decided that they will um, not abide by that mandate, but they will continue to have church. So it's coming down to the wire we sang a while ago about, you know, and the, the interpretation of the message this morning said for us to stand. And so we're coming to that place that we've got to take a stand. Amen. But in Nevada, and I don't want to take a whole lot of time because I do want to share from the Word of God this morning. But in Nevada, they have placed a 50-person cap on all places of worship, no matter what the capacity is of the building. Um, and uh, this is a part of their restrictions. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Casinos and other businesses such as restaurants and movie theaters are permitted to have up to 50% capacity, allowing casinos to grant access to hundreds of patrons at one time. Movie theaters 
can have up to 50%. And uh, so the Supreme Court, so they, there was a, an appeal uh, filed in the Supreme Court by churches, some churches in Nevada, to, to rule on that. And the Supreme Court ruled in the favor of the state against the church. So here's where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're in the last days. We know that. But, I, you know, rough times are ahead for the church, and it's going to separate the wheat from the tares, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, Justices Samuel Alito Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh all issued dissenting opinions rejecting the constitutionality of the decision. They said this is a simple case. Under the governor's edict, a 10-screen multiplex may host 500 moviegoers at any time, Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote Friday. In Nevada... It seems that it's better to be in entertainment than religion. Maybe that's nothing new. And this is what he said. I'm still quoting. Maybe this is nothing new, but the First Amendment prohibits such obvious discrimination against the exercise of religion. I'm not going to read his entire... I have, I have his... We can make copies of it, but his entire... A copy of his dissent, but um, the latter part of it, the latter part of it says this again, quoting from um, Justice Gorsuch. But the First Amendment prohibits such obvious discrimination against the exercise of religion. The world we inhabit today, with a pandemic upon us, poses unusual challenges. But there is no world in which the Constitution permits Nevada to favor Caesar's palace over Calvary Chapel. Amen. I agree 100%. Thought it was kind of ironic, Caesar's palace over Calvary. That's where it started in the early church. It was Caesar against the church. And we're right back there again today, ladies and gentlemen. And we better be praying. We better be seeking God. We better be praying about the upcoming elections. We better be praying for our nation. Are you listening to me? Because we're, we're, we're in, a, we're in a, a difficult situation. But we are going to stand. How many is going to stand? Yes. Praise God. We're going to stand. Stand in the face of opposition and believe God. Amen. All right. I'm going to preach fast this morning. All right. Uh, open your Bibles to do the Gospel of Mark today. Gospel of Mark chapter 12. Amen. I'm going to share some things with you. We're still in the book of Mark, but we're in the 12th chapter starting today. Verse number 1. Mark chapter 12 and verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. You got your Bible, got your sword, amen. Mark 12, verse number 1, says this. Then he, Jesus, began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. By the way, this is the first parable that Jesus 
gave in the city of Jerusalem toward the end of his ministry here. A man planted a vineyard and he set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another servant. And at him they threw stones, wounded him in the head, and sent him away shamefully treated. And again, he sent another, and him they killed, and many others, beating some and killing some. Therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them, saying, last, sent him to them last, saying, they will respect my son. But those vine dressers said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Have you not even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, bless the, the preaching and the teaching of your word today. May your anointing help us today and flow through us as we minister your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Jesus here is confronting the religious leaders. He had confronted them um, previously in cleansing the temple. He had went through and he had, we had read about that, talked about that a couple of weeks ago, I think, and mentioned how he had cleansed the temple and drove out the money changers and, and um, drove all the animals out of the temple. And it upset the religious leaders. And so at that very time, and you can read that in Mark 11, verse 18, that they began at that time to conspire against Jesus and begin to, complot, to, begin to plot his death. They wanted him out of the way. They wanted him dead. He had offended them. He had angered them. He had infuriated them. And they were plotting how that they could kill him and do away from him. And this was the church folks of the day that were doing this. The religious folks of the day. You know, it's, it's often true that those who talk the most about God many times seem to know the least about him, and that definitely was the case with these Pharisees and Sadducees and with these religious leaders of Jesus' day. Uh, Jesus came, and I think we know this, but Jesus came to reveal the Father to this people. He came to reveal God to Israel, to the people of that day, that they, uh, and they should have known him. 
And uh, they should have recognized him for who he was, the Son of God. They should have accepted him as their Messiah. They should have received his teachings. But as we know, they didn't do that. They totally missed what God had sent to them. They rejected Jesus and they rejected the revelation that he brought from God and that he brought uh, of the Father. They rejected his miracles. I mean, can anyone deny the miracles that Jesus performed in front of all of these people? People to prove to them that he was who he said he was. Yet instead of them accepting him as their Messiah, believing in him as the Son of God, instead they attributed his power and his miracles to the power of Satan and to the workings of Satan. Uh, and in a few days, they were going to condemn him to death and they were going to have him crucified. They totally rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And so to illustrate what was happening, Jesus gave them this parable. He spoke to them this parable in this 12th chapter of Mark. And uh, this parable was to illustrate what was in the hearts of these men. And Jesus, in this parable, gives them a series of pictures of God to reveal who God is and what God is and how God had dealt with the nation of Israel. And Jesus revealed to these men that in spite of the goodness of God that he had that he had administered to Israel and in spite of all that God had done for them and in spite of all the ways that God had blessed Israel that they continued, still continued to resist God and to reject God and to reject his word and that they ultimately, ultimately in this parable he reveals to them that they would ultimately reject his son and because of the rejection of his son that judgment was going to come upon them. And what he taught them and what he said to them in this parable also holds true for every one of us, I believe, today as well. And so as we look at this parable in Mark chapter 12 that Jesus gives of this vineyard and these, these workers in the vineyard, those who were the, 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 that were over this vineyard, as he gives this parable, there are some things that God reveals that I want us to look at this morning. And the first one is this. That Jesus is revealing to them in this parable of the revealing to them the goodness of God to his people. Somebody says, well, how do you get that? Well, in this parable, Jesus tells them of a man who plants a vineyard. And in this vineyard, he says that he puts a hedge about it to protect it. He digs a wine vat, puts a wine vat in the ground to receive the grape juice that was crushed in this vineyard. And then he builds a watchtower in the middle of the vineyard so that the whole thing can be overlooked and cared for and protected. And so what we see in this parable is that the man 
who plants the vineyard, which in this parable the man represents God and the vineyard represents Israel. And we see that this man that planted this vineyard is doing everything that he can and has provided everything that is necessary for this vineyard to be all that it ought to be. As I said, in this parable, it's God that the man represents God. And it tells us something about God in this parable. Jesus is revealing to them something about God. Of course, we we talked about a few weeks ago about from Isaiah chapter 5, how that, that Israel was likened into that vine that God had planted and God had nourished and God had cared for. And God expected Israel to to bring forth fruit, to bring forth grapes, but they failed in that and they brought forth sour grapes. I believe that the parable that Jesus is giving to them here is based on that fifth chapter of Isaiah. So these people that he was talking to knew exactly who he was referring to as this vineyard and they they knew exactly that he was referring to them. And so he is doing everything. And what he was saying here is that God has done everything that he can for you as a nation Israel. He's been good to you. He's taken care of you. He's provided everything that was necessary for you to be productive and to be fruitful. And he's given you so many wonderful blessings. And um, what he's saying here is that God is a good God. Oh, hallelujah. God is a good God. The Bible says in Romans eleven twenty two 22, in that first part of that verse, it says, behold, therefore, the goodness of God. The goodness of God, ladies and gentlemen, is seen all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the word of God. And Jesus here was reminding these people of just how good God had been to Israel. Israel, as I said, was that vineyard and God had planted them and they were to bring forth fruit. They were to be a witness to all of the nations of the world. And when they got in bondage in Egypt, God was good to them and God brought them out by his mighty hand and he delivered them from Pharaoh and from the Egyptians. God brought them through the wilderness. He protected them in their wilderness journeys. He gave them a pillar of cloud by day to cover them and He gave them a pillar of fire by night to lead them and to guide them. He gave them water from the rock and gave them manna from heaven and and he even sent some quails a couple of times, you know, to satisfy their hunger. But the fact was that three million or however many million Israelites there were in that wilderness, God sustained every one of them and he took care of every one of them and he provided for every one of them. I mean, their clothes didn't even grow old in 40 years. Their shoes never wore out. Praise God, I'd like to get a pair like that. I try to wear mine till there's nothing left of them. But if I could get a pair, you know, that you could put on and just wear forever. That's the way these were. God supplied their every need. Without a Walmart, thank God. Without a Snooks. Without a Dollar General. Wasn't a Dollar General. There's Dollar Generals everywhere, but there wasn't one in the wilderness. 
But without a dollar general or anything else, God was good to his people. And God supplied their need and provided for them all through their wilderness journey. And God brought them through that wilderness and he brought them into a land that was flowing with milk and honey. He was with them to drive out the Canaanites so that they could possess the land. And God blessed Israel and God made them the strongest and the most prosperous nation on the face of this earth. And the reason that they were what they were is because of God's blessing upon them. In Deuteronomy 28, he gives them he gives them there um, the, the, uh, the, the blessing, pronounces a blessing, tells them the conditions of the blessing, that if they will obey the Lord and they will follow his statutes and keep his commandments, he said, I'll bless you coming in, I'll bless you going out, I'll bless your basket, I'll bless your storehouses, I'll bless you in the city, I'll bless you in the country, I'll make you the head and not the tail, and you'll be only be above and not beneath. Isn't that what he said? As long as they listened to God and followed God and obeyed God and did what God told them to do and followed the word of God, they were blessed because God is a good God. And the psalmist said it in Psalm 73, 1, when he thought about everything God had done for Israel, the psalmist said, truly, God is good to Israel. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you something this morning, saints of God, that what is true of Israel is also true of you and I personally as well as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, as sons and daughters of God, as children of God. Not only has God been good to Israel, but God has been good to you. Hallelujah. I said God has been good to you. God has been good to me. And I, I, I believe everybody here could testify to the fact of the goodness of God. Sister Bunny testified about this morning how good God is. I'm here today in this service today to, 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 to just to acknowledge the goodness of God in my life. I think every one of us today are to give God some praise and give him some thanksgiving because he has planted us. Come on, somebody. He has planted us. He has provided for us everything that we need to be productive as a child of God. And in this life, we've not wanted for anything. He has made his church a fruitful vine and has blessed us in every way imaginable. God is a good God and he's good to his people. God's been good to America. God's been good to this good old United States of America and God has blessed this nation. The Bible says that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. 
And we are blessed today. Folks, I said we are blessed today. I hope everybody here agrees with what I'm saying. We are blessed to live today in a nation that has been blessed by Almighty God. We are blessed today to live in a nation where we have the freedom to come together today and lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and sing praises to him. And nobody can tell us that we can't do it. We've got that right and that privilege and that freedom. Hallelujah. It is a constitutional right, but I can tell you there's something that surpasses the Constitution. It is a God-given biblical right that we have to come together and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. God has blessed America. We are a land of plenty and we live in an ocean of need. We have always, America has always come to the aid and to the rescue of nations that were in trouble. We always have. We have given, God has made this nation the, most, the strongest and the most powerful nation on the face of the earth, but we have never used that military might or strength or power to be aggressive or to attack anybody or to try to, um, try to take anybody's country over uh, from them. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have always been there to help put down tyranny and to put down communism, to put down, um, you know, the evils of this world. We kind of have been the nation or the, the world's police force, I guess, so to speak, but we've always been there to help those who are in need. We could probably think of a lot of things today, but time won't permit. A lot of times when nations, other nations and countries have been in trouble and America was able to go to them to feed their hungry and to help their poor. And the reason we've been able to do that is because God has blessed this nation because we are one nation under God and in God we trust. Or we have, amen, we have. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And so I thank God for the blessing of the Lord that he has placed upon this, this nation. And I can't pass this up. I've just got to say to those today who hate this nation and to those today who are bashing America and to those who want to change America and destroy America, why don't you do us all a favor and just leave America? Praise God. I'm sure that'll go over real well, but that's just the way that I feel. Don't come from Somalia and, be, and leave the poverty and the mess that's there and the bondage that's there and come to America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, and be so blessed that you're able to get a seat in Congress and then try to turn America into Somalia. Go back to where you came from. Hallelujah. I'm trying not to be too worked up today. But God has planted this vine and blessed it. When you think about how God has blessed you personally, I mean, God came to us when we were in our Egypt and delivered us from the power of Satan. 
He brought us out of bondage and brought us out of sin and took us out from the, uh, from the powers of darkness and redeemed us and placed us into the very family of God. That's the greatest blessing of all today, to know that we can go into that throne room today, that God Almighty is our Heavenly Father, that we have been saved, we've been delivered, we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus you add to that all the other blessings he's given to us, how he's answered prayers for us, the fact that he gives us his spirit, has placed his spirit on the inside of us, and he will never leave us. We have that promise, don't we? That he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. Thank God today that we're not going hungry, that we've got a good place to live and a good, warm, dry bed to sleep in at night, and we've got clothes to wear, and every necessity in life God has provided for us I'm telling you God is a good God God is a good God and God has blessed our life come on I can, I can imagine every one of you today could say if you just think about, back about where you were and where you are and what God has done for you and where God has brought you from and where he's brought you to I, I imagine you'd have to say God has blessed me beyond my wildest dreams or beyond what I could ever have imagined or thought. Amen. I know I can say that today. We may not have the very best of the very finest and living in the lap of luxury, but I can tell you something today. We've got joy. We've got peace. We've got happiness. We've got everything that we need. Glory to God. There's no reason for any of us today to be complaining when I think about all that he's done for me, how he saved me, how he changed me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost and healed me to the uttermost. It makes me want to shout and praise and give thanks to the Lord because God has been good to me. Has he been good to you? Woo! Man, all the times I think about the devil could have took me out. My, 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 I was talking to somebody about it the other day. I mean, times that, that when, I, when I wasn't saved and the devil could have took me out, I could have been in hell today. But God, God was good to me. And God had his hand on my life because he knew that he had a plan. And as long as he had a plan, there wasn't no way the devil was going to interfere with that plan. Come on, somebody. I think about this church. I, I'm going, I'm, I could preach all day. I, I, I think about Abundant Life Family Church, how God, how, how God has been so good to this church, how we began 17 years ago. Uh, Brother Brett's mom and dad's family room, and, and uh, we, 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 we were there for a while, moved into the to the storage units over here and uh, Brett and Bunny storage units over here and, and, and where God has, he was, let me tell you something, he was good. And there's many of you here today that were with us over there in, in those storage units. There's some that was with us when we were out on King's School Road at, at Fond and Freitas and then moved with us over here but, um, at, at the storage unit. But, but how God blessed us in that little place over there. And we grew and people People were saved and people were filled with the Spirit and people were blessed and healed and 
God just did everything. But where God has brought us from in 17 years and where we are today, God has been good to Abundant Life Family Church. He's been good to us. God, God worked everything out for us to, to get this property, to acquire this property, to build this church. And let me tell you, God has supplied every need that we have had. In the, in the 17 years of the existence of this church, we have never lacked for anything. We have never wanted anything. Praise God. We've never had to beg for money. We've never had... We've never had to have a chilly supper to raise money to pay the bills. We've never had to have a rummage sale to, to raise money to pay the bills. And if churches have had to do that, I'm not condemning anybody for that. I'm just saying, thank God, the Lord has been good to us. He's provided everything that we have needed in this church. Amen. There's been some times, I will admit, there have been some times that we've reached down in that meal barrel and I could feel the bottom of it scraping when I put that cup down in there and I'm thinking oh Lord you're going to have to come through. There's been some times when that old cruise of oil has been a little low and only a few drops coming out and I've said oh Lord you're going to have to do something and God, the good God that we serve has always come through. Hasn't he told you he'll always come through for you he's the same now as then you may not know how you may not know when but praise God he'll always do it again cause he's a good good father hallelujah give him praise I'm trying to be dignified but I'm about to lose my dignity <laughs> God's good. When you think of his goodness and when you think of his blessings, you can't help but praise him. Psalm 107, the psalmist said in Psalm 107, verse 8, all that men would give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his wonderful works to the children of, for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. So there's revealed the goodness of God and I, I, I've got to get to something so I've got to hurry. You're going to stay with me for a little bit? Jesus in this parable also teaches and shows us and reveals to us God's witness to men. At the time, he says in this parable, at the time that the fruit of this vineyard that God had planted, it was time for the fruit to be harvested, that God sent a series of servants to this vineyard to receive a portion of the fruit of that vineyard. As that relates to Israel, it simply means that God sent them a series of prophets and preachers to call them to faith in God and to lead them in the right path. The Lord sent them prophets. Are you listening to me? Sent them men of God to Deliver God's word to them. And that's what Jesus was showing them in this parable. But Jesus revealed to them that each time that God sent them a man of God, that they rejected him and refused 
to hear his message. And it was a, Jesus said here, it was a series of rejections. Do you see what it said? He said that, that, that he sent to them his servants and they took them and beat them and sent them away empty-handed and another servant was sent and they threw stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully and treated and so he sent them another and him they killed and many being many, many others, many others, some beating some and killing some. So there was a series of rejections of the truth that God was trying to get across to them. Some were beaten and some were stoned and some were killed and all of them were sent away empty-handed. Israel rejected one prophet after another prophet, one preacher after another preacher that was sent to them. They began by rebelling against Moses. At the very beginning when they came out of Egypt, they rebelled against Moses. They put Jeremiah in the dungeon. They, they, they stoned some others. Isaiah, uh, history tells us that Isaiah was sawn in half. And all of these preachers and all of these men of God and women of God and preachers that God sent to them, they continued to reject them. But notice something, God never stopped sending them. God kept sending them his men with his message. And when you read that, you cannot help but see the mercy of God and the grace of God and the patience of God and the long-suffering of God. And that one, one preacher, one prophet after another was, re was rejected, 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 but God would send another. He even told, was it Ezekiel and Jeremiah when he called them both? I believe Brother Stevie told them, they're not going to listen to you. They won't hear a word you have to say, but I want you to go preach anyway. There's been times as a pastor I've said that same thing. Lord, why am I getting up there? It seems like sometimes I'm wasting my time because nobody seems to pay any attention. But God says, you keep preaching. You keep going. You keep giving the word of God. Whether anybody listens or whether there's anybody here to hear it or not, we will keep preaching because God will keep sending because he wants us to have his word. Amen? Oh, the long suffering of God that he's not willing that any perish but all come to repentance. And Jesus was saying to them, you've rejected all the preachers and the witness that I've sent you. And the same thing is true today, ladies and gentlemen. God has given us pastors and preachers to teach us, to guide us, to encourage us, to feed us. The gift of God to his church is the fivefold ministry. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Those five ministry gifts are the gift of God to the church. The scripture says in Ephesians 4, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. 
the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, and their responsibility, this is my responsibility here today, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. You know what I'm here to do today? And my prayer all the time is, God, that you'll help me and use me to fulfill that calling as a pastor, as a teacher, as a minister of the gospel. I'm here today preaching the word to you Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night to equip you to, for you to do the work of the ministry and to be the men and women of God that God desires you to be. I'm here to feed you. I'm here to equip you. I'm here to be used of God to, to build you up and send you out of here stronger than you were than when you came in. Come on, amen. God said in, in Jeremiah, he said this in Jeremiah 3.13, he said, I will give you pastors according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. And listen to me, folks, it's hard for me to do what God's called me to do when you're setting home. Oh, hallelujah. I, I got to move on from there. God has called Holy Ghost anointed pastors and preachers. And I'm going to tell you something. The best friend you've got today, the best friend you've got in the world is a God-called, spirit-filled pastor, preacher, and evangelist that will preach the truth to you, to preach the Word of God to you. They are a gift to the church. God has sent them to lead and feed and encourage. And what America needs today are some more prophets of God. Come on, somebody. That's what America needs today. Do you, do you understand how powerful the preaching of the word is? That Satan is working so hard to shut down the church, to muzzle the mouth of the preacher, to stop your praise. Are you getting what I'm saying today? Hallelujah. But praise be to God. Thank God what we need today are some preachers and some pastors that will teach us and guide us and preach the word of God to us. America needs some prophets today. Men of God and women of God that will stand up with the word of God in their mouth and like Jeremiah with a fire in their belly that will preach and declare thus saith the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Get that fire shut up in our bones. We can't stop. Hallelujah. But Jesus said they sent these prophets. God did and they were rejected. But then he said, therefore, in verse 6, they killed one, they stoned one, they did this, that. But then he said, having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last. Last of all, God says, I'll, I'll send them my beloved son. But then when the son came, the beloved son, which was who? Jesus. Jesus. This was God's, this was it right here. They've rejected all the prayer. I can't do anything. I know what, I'll send my son. But when these farmers saw the son coming, 
They said, and you, you got to catch this. They said, this is the heir. Let's kill him. Then the vineyard will be ours. See, they, they, they would have no part of Jesus. And that's what Jesus was saying to them. So what he was telling them, they wanted no part of Jesus. They wanted the vineyard in their own control without Jesus. They wanted to be in control of their own life and do their own thing. We don't need Jesus telling us what to do. So let's kill the heir. He's the heir. He's the beloved son. Let's get rid of him. But now notice. I'm, 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 I'm going to get here and then we'll, 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 go eat, we'll go eat some chicken or something, okay? But when it says they called him the heir, and they were correct. The beloved son of God, the heir of God, the heir of of all things. The writer of Hebrews says that God in former times spoke to us through the prophets and all this, but in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son, whom He has appointed to be the heir of all things. Jesus is the heir of everything. God has appointed him to be heir of all things. And so here's what I want to let you know today. That if you want anything from God, you must come to Jesus. If you want anything from God, he's been sent by God, the heir of God. And God has put everything in Jesus, his son. Everything that you need is in in Jesus. Everything that I need is in Jesus. Everything that you will ever need is in Jesus. And he bought and paid for it so you could have it at, at the cross of Calvary through the shedding of his blood. Are, are you with me this morning? Everything is in him and is in Jesus. And people today think they need a lot of things. But I'm going to tell you what. You know, if I just had this, or if I just had that, or if I could just go here, if I could just go there, I I've got some news for you this morning that only uh, the only one you need today, you may think you need a lot of stuff, but who you need is Jesus Christ. Because when you get Jesus, when you get Jesus, you get everything else that God has because Jesus has been appointed the heir of everything and everything you need is in Jesus. Come on, hallelujah. Woo! When you got born again, you became, according to Romans chapter 8, an heir of God and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that in Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead is there bodily. All of God's fullness is ours through Jesus Christ. We have, as being an heir of God through Christ and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, that tells us we have an inheritance. And the Bible says... <laughs> 
that we've got an inheritance that's incorruptible and that's undefiled and that fadeth not away, that's reserved in heaven for us. I'm I'm telling you I'm about to have a spell. I'm glad to know that I am a child of God, an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus. The heir has come. The Lord has come. Jesus has died and put me in the will. Come on. He brought me in the family and he put me in the will. Woo! These people failed to understand These people Jesus was talking to failed to understand that when you get the sun, you get the vineyard and everything that's in it. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1, 3 says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus said that that the Son came, the Son of God came that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. Paul said in Romans 8, 32 that he did not spare, God did not spare his own Son, but he delivered him up for us all. And how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Everything you need, the air has provided and the air has purchased. Hallelujah. There's forgiveness in Jesus. There's forgiveness in the cross. There's prosperity in the cross of Christ. There's healing in the cross. There's peace. There's joy. There's freedom. There's victory. And all of that is in Jesus Christ. The air of God has brought us into the family. You don't need to be seeking stuff. You just need to be seeking Jesus. Amen. It's that song we sing, holiness has a name, and it's Jesus. Forgiveness has a name, and it's Jesus. Victory has a name, and it's Jesus. Woo, the word has a name, and it's Jesus. Everything is in him. And at Calvary, he paid the price through his shed blood that everything that you need in your vineyard has been provided through the air, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you reject the air, no hope. You ain't getting nothing. You can work your whole life Work your fingers to the bone. You can, you can strive and connive. You can do everything you want to try to find peace and happiness and satisfaction and contentment. But if you push the air out of the vineyard, you'll have nothing but trouble. You'll have nothing but problems. You've got to make him, Jesus, the Lord of your life and place your faith in him and what he did for you at Calvary and give your life to him and live for him. Praise God. All right, I'm closing. I'm not done, but I'm quitting. When you get Jesus, when you get the Son, when you get the air, you get it all. I heard this story some years ago. Don't think I've ever used this as an illustration. But the other day, I was reading this text, meditating on it, doing some research and studying this passage. And the Lord brought this story back to my remembrance. But the story goes like this, that years ago, there was 
a wealthy man that was a widower, and he had one only son. And he and his son shared one common passion. They both had a passion for collecting art. And this old man and his son traveled around the world adding the finest art treasures to their collection. They had, they had paintings by Picasso and Van Gogh, Monet and others that adorned the walls of their family estate. The man's son also became a very experienced art collector himself. And so, as the story goes, time went on and there was a war that broke out in the country and the son had to leave his father to go serve his country in the military. And after a few weeks, uh, the father got the telegram, got the word that no parent wants to get but he got the word that his, his son had died while rushing to try to save a fellow soldier. He was actually trying to take a friend of his that was wounded to the medic. And in doing so, he was shot himself and was killed. When the old man got this news, he was totally devastated. He was filled with sadness. He went into mourning. He could not get over it. His only son that he loved so dearly now was gone, and he would never see him again. He would sit in his house, and he would just stare at the paintings that they had collected together and trying to just remember the good times that he had with his son. But one day there was a knock on the door, and... The old man got up and went to the door. And when he opened the door, there stood a young soldier with a large package in his hand. He told the old man, he gave him the story, told the father that he was the one that had befriend, was a friend of his son. And he was the one that his son was attempting to rescue and was saving when he gave his life, when he was shot and killed. And he explained all of what happened to the father. And then he said, so I have something for you. Because he said, I myself am a painter. I'm an artist. And I've, I've painted a picture to give to you. And so when he opened the package, it was a beautiful portrait that this young soldier had painted of the old man's son. And he immediately fell in love with it. It was, it was just, it was such a good painting. It pictured him just the way he was and just the way that the father remembered him. So he hung that painting over the mantle, over the fireplace. And it became his most prized possession. It was the greatest gift that this, that this father had ever received. As time went on, the old man grew ill and he passed away and he died. And when the news of his death hit the art world, they were so excited because they knew that those priceless paintings would soon be sold at auction. And art collectors from all around the world gathered to that auction to bid on the spectacular paintings that this man and his son had collected over the years. The auction began with the painting of the sun. That was the very first one that they put on the auction block. The painting that the young soldier boy had painted of the old man's son. They put that painting up first and they began to take bids and the auctioneer uh, asked for the opening bid but there was nothing but silence. No one said anything. 
The auctioneer trying to stir a little enthusiasm said, oh, come on, who will open with, the, with $100? Who will bid $100 on this painting? No one said a word. There was total silence. And finally, someone cried out and said, we don't care about that painting. Who cares about that? It's just a picture of the old man's son. Forget about that painting. Get to the good stuff. We want to bid on the good stuff. And everybody else in the auction, they were agreeing, more voices consenting, said, saying, yes, get on with the, with the real painting. Skip this one. But the auctioneer said, no, we must bid on this painting first. Now who will take the sun? Finally, there was a friend of the old man's in the back of the auction, and he spoke up and he said, all I have is $10. But if you'll take $10 for that painting, that's what I bid. So the auctioneer said, okay, we have a bid of $10. Do I hear 15? Do I hear 15? Anybody have another bid? $10 is the bid. Total silence. The auctioneer said, okay, it's going once, going twice, sold for $10. The gavel fell and cheers filled the room and everybody said, now we can get on to the good treasures and bid on the good treasures. And the auctioneer stood and announced, the auction is now over. Everybody was stunned with disbelief. It just, you know, they, they couldn't figure it out. They said, what do you mean? Everybody was stirred. What do you mean the auction's over? We didn't come here for a picture of some old guy's son. What about all of these Van Goghs and the Picassos? What about all of these millions of dollars worth of art? These priceless treasures that are here. We demand that you explain what's going on here. We came to bid on these paintings. The auctioneer replied and said, it was in the will of the father that said that the picture of his son, the portrait of his son was to be auctioned off first. And it was specified in the will, whoever takes the son gets it all. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Glory to God. So <laughs> an old poor broke guy with 10 bucks came into an auction and bid $10 and got the sun and walked away with millions of dollars. He got everything. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the heir. It's all in the sun. If you got Jesus, you got everything that you need in Jesus. Woo, let's stand up and praise him today. Come on, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God.